Hello, welcome to segment three on the A to the K Wrestling Show. Long overdue, we are here for volume three, segment three, volume three of Whiskey and Wrestling. Anthony, one of our favourite segments. It's Whiskey and Wrestling, volume three. This time, it's personal. (laughs) It is. I suppose for anyone uh, who may not have enjoyed our other segments, this is where we go pretty much unscripted and we just chat whatever comes into our heads. Sometimes, because we do this a lot, where we'll have a little chat off the air. Um, Sometimes they're they're quite fun for us, so we thought, (laughs) let's make a segment out of it. And uh, we we have twice before now. The second one, I think we had the the one and only Tony Knox with us. Um, We did. This one's just, just you and I again. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, sometimes you get unique guests on here. You never know. So um, this week, Carl, this week we've got a couple of bits in mind because we've been sort of slightly talking about them. So I feel like if you're cool with it, we'll jump right in. In fact, no, we'll do let's as tradition, whiskey and wrestling, Carl. What's your whiskey of choice today? Today, I bring you in this lovely little bottle, Glen Morangi. Glen Morangi, a fine choice, Carl. It is. I'm it's a Scottish. Single malt from the Highlands. Ah, a single malt. Ten years. Oh, a fine tipple. Well, I'm on this time. Uh, Shivaz Regal. This big nice. old bottle right here. Aged for 12 years, Carl. And it's oh, a blended okay. Scotch whiskey. Just because you're older, you know what I mean? Doesn't mean anything. Yeah. But I think. Got it here. Soundbite. Soundbite for the show, as you said. Hang on. Let's try it again. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> so, after I finish the line. Okay. Welcome to Whiskey and Wrestling. Yeah, there we go. That's the one. So good. So good. Right. So, Carl, we mentioned we mentioned before, and I said we talk about it more. Let's let's do your pour before we talk about it more. Let's do the pour before we talk about it more. That was a full bottle when he started. Damn. <laughs> I mean, um, you're not wrong. <laughs> so we mentioned we we talked on obviously Maria Canellis made some comments about Stephanie McMahon and her approach to women's wrestling. Um, so I thought let's let's delve more into it for whiskey and wrestling because it's not a topic that is particularly relevant to the news but something that i've been musing on last couple of days because there's a lot of call and this isn't just maria canellis there's a lot of call for like oh wwe should have a women's brand right and uh, you know like i'm i'm not in any way approaching any of this in in wanting to come across as disrespectful but i'm really against a women's brand not in general like mission pro wrestling is fantastic right that is a promotion for women's wrestling right but wwe already exists as a an entity the way they are and they have women's wrestlers and male wrestlers and they have one big show with multiple brands i just for me i'm like i don't get why you'd want to go well let's take all the women and put them here in their own little show where they won't get in the way of the men that doesn't feel like an equality thing for me no um so because and it's not i'm not against the women's brand i'm against wwe having a women's brand does that make I'm, sense i i am against the uh you know i am actually against the women's brand i think that would be just as harmful as having just a men's brand. But you to see, me, I, I get it though. When it's not a big company like WWE, I get it. Like I get why Mission Pro existed, right? And the mission that uh, Thunder Rosa had with it makes a lot of sense because women haven't had the best run with wrestling and in the world of wrestling it has been very male dominated. And I understand that they want to have control over that. So I get why that exists and it makes sense. But when you go, well, that isn't the way to for WWE to handle it. WWE should do what they've been sort of doing. All right, they've had peaks and troughs with it, but they should do what they've been doing and making the women's matches and the women's titles and the women's scene more important 
on their big shows. Yeah, like that's I, how it should be. I agree with that. I think you know, obviously, where I'm coming from is uh, the notion that you know WWE should have its own fourth brand that's women's only, which I think is yeah. you know preposterous. I do think Mission yeah, Pro totally and the work that. that they do, you know, fully support them as as we know and um, we spoke about many yeah. a time. But yeah, I think it would be harmful to these bigger like even if because I think it was Mick Foley, wasn't it? Who was quoted and he said, um, you know, you need to need to do this before AEW beat you to the punch. I wouldn't want AEW to do it either. Like, yeah, I totally agree. Like AEW are working their ass off on their women's division right now, and to then go, well, you know, like what they want to consider, and this is this is, and I'm not saying this is what men will do, right? And I'm not like this is where I'm like I'm not trying to cause offense, but, but keeping it and going like we're going to put all the women over here in their own little show, like is that not going to try and like almost go so you don't have to watch that one, like um. Like for me, and I'm not saying that I would do this deliberately because it's a women's show. But when you're promoting, like, if you pick WWE or AEW, when you're promoting your, like, AEW is a good example because it's easier because there's only one show. AEW's Dynamite is their flagship show. That's their Raw, if you will, right? And you and me watch like, uh, like four shows a week, right? And we probably haven't got capacity for more. Let's be honest, right? So if they're going to introduce a women's only brand, I'm going to miss out on a lot of really fantastic, talented women's wrestlers because. I won't be able to tune into that brand because I'm going to watch the flagship show. Same, as I mean, I have been. You know, they've um, got they've got dark, they've got dark elevation. Like we don't really have the time to even watch them. So let alone to add a a whole other exactly. brand to it. And so it's things like that would bug me because I like Thunder Rosa was has been one of the fucking most uh, brilliant things on AEW on Dynamite. Her match with Britt Baker, we've both said, was fucking amazing, right? And to then have the possibility where it's like, well, they're on their own brand. Like I don't know how they'd execute it, but to, like if they had the exclusive of their own brand, you imagine that they're gonna then limit the amount of women you see on on the other brands. I guess I don't know. Like I I, I don't know what the aim is. Like maybe they're gonna go have their own women's only brand and still have women on on the main show. Sound, but then you go well. What's the point in having their own? Like why can't they all mix? I don't I don't get it. Um, and yeah. I say I get why women's only promotions as a whole exist, but like like Mission Pro because they're trying to make that that scene and that space for women's wrestling which has been sort of put down over the years and and i i, I do get things like that but existing big shows like dynamite oh sorry like AEW, like tna like wwe they should just carry on their work on like making it just as important as the male wrestlers that's what they should do they should they should give them the right billing on the show and look at storylines rather than genders yeah. Well, this is the storyline we're working at the minute, so this is what we're going to give prominence. Like when they were saying, like they were going to have a really good match between Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair, so we're going to give that prominence on mm-hmm. WrestleMania. Yes, that makes sense because that is a storyline we've been building yeah. and we're invested in. Like that's Fully how they agree. should. Yeah, I think um, it is that. Like you know, the work that that Thunder does with Mission Pro it is to give. You know, she said on on the interview, didn't she? She said that mm-hmm. it was to give exposure to up-and-coming women's wrestlers who yeah. have never had that opportunity to be in front of a camera or to actually work a long match or to, yeah. you know, all all these kind of things and skills yeah. to learn and apply like, their trade. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. And it's like, because she was even talking about the other bits, like the production bits, mm. like, as well. So it's not even just the on the on-screen wrestling matches. It was all all around the, the, like the camera work and everything. Like, mm. all those aspects, they are free to sort of learn and understand that trade better. Yeah, so, like, that makes a lot of sense to me. But WWE turning around and going, almost as a reactionary thing, to go, well, let's have a women's brand so we look more, you know, inclusive. It just, it 
that to me would reek of a PR stunt more than anything. Like and they, yeah. they like they say about like you know Steph's not doing enough for it and it's it's used as a promotional tool. That would be for me. That's like, what's ba- that, that that's what's baffling though for me is that it's the fact that it's Mick Foley who's coming out and saying, oh yeah, you bet you you know you better start this brand before AEW do. And it's like I just don't get it. I don't get like. I, I normally agree with everything that Mick says, you know, well, most of the stuff anyway. Um, but I just think he's so off pace with with, the, with this idea. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, no, I agree. But again, this is one where like people might disagree with us, and people might be like, I, I my intent is never to offend here, but like this is sort of where, in all fairness, we probably could do is like a, 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 like women's wrestling fans or a woman's wrestler on the show with her opinion on this like because we are basically you know two blokes with an opinion on women's <laughs> wrestling so however that's received do you know what i mean yeah. but speaking as wrestling fans like i just i want to see as much good wrestling as possible like yeah and to me i, I don't know i don't get why you can't just like because i've been a fan of like intergender matches as much as wwe have been a bit squeamish on them i think it's a it's a good way of it, we're, we're not a sport we're entertainment that's the reality of it so there's no reason that they can't have intergender matches. Like no. I think, um, correct me, I can't remember who who said it now, but the, I think it might have been Thunder again that they, they train with men, so it's not an issue to them. Like yeah. it, that's the way of it. Like it for the like for for the most, and I get like I've, there's been some issues with the speaking out movements and and certain things with that, but like for the most, you know, most people aren't assholes, and like they've like they've trained with these people and they all work together and I don't think a lot of them would have issue with these sort of matches and I don't know I just I definitely think WWE are missing because some of it obviously were saying like the women's revolution what's happened there you know some WWE have almost took massive back steps in a lot of senses like it's it's crazy how much they have regressed yeah cuz I was all for the like I have nothing against the like when I say about uh, having their own brand uh, like I, I wouldn't be a fan of that, but like when they had their own pay per view, I thought that was a really nice thing to do. It was a really good thing to do because it, it highlighted that problem. Look how much talent we have. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it was it was highlighting something that like they'd been lacking on for years or not been looking after for years. So you know that made sense, and I wouldn't have had a problem at all if they'd done another pay per view with it. So um, you know, it, it is baffling. Like. We, they're really, really confusing. They're really hot and cold with this because, like, we have just come off of WrestleMania where Sasha Banks main evented with Bianca Belair and it was a really good match. But at the same time, we're still then booking storylines where she slipped and fell. Wasn't that really funny? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, just... there's, there's far more of the latter than there is of the former um, in today's product. And, you know, cynically, I will say the only reason Bianca and Sasha got that main event spot was because... It was almost like a tick box that oh well we've had a women's main event again, yeah. and that's unfortunately into like the whole element of what Maria Canellas was saying with it's a promotional tool and yeah, she could be exactly. doing more. And, you and, go, well, and yeah. that's that's not me saying that they didn't deserve it. If anything, I I thought it did deserve it. Um, oh, but yeah, I feel yeah. like it, the only reason it happened was for that. Was so it was like because ultimately when you look at my, how they tend to book most other things, it does make it feel like that. Yeah, my my stance with night one is that I mean that's not your main event, is it? It's not like they put them on on the main event of night two. Yeah, like right, the last match of yeah. WrestleMania as a whole. Yeah, yeah. So for me, it's like it's it's a little way around it almost of like, well, it's a two night WrestleMania, so we can put them on main event of night one, and yeah. people will be like, oh, they did it, but really, yeah, it's like that old chestnut in it when them CM Punk had his gripes about never rest, uh, main event in WrestleMania, mm-hmm. and it was like, well, we had two main events, and it's like, no, 
that's the main event. And it's like, yeah. if you could only have one main event, they'd call it the last match of Mania, wouldn't they? So exactly. um, you're quite exactly. right. It is like it's it's a way of saying, yeah, you main evented night one. Yeah. Um, I think as well, though, yeah. and I know that we shouldn't really be speaking about the shows that have already happened since we're you know we're running late. But even on NXT this week, so I saw NXT um, by mistake actually because mm-hmm. I was just I was catching up on it today and I was like, oh Where's shit, Dynamite. It's on. No, I mean, I was catching up today, and I, I was just like, I'll, I'll go find the most recent thing. I forgot it moved to like Tuesdays, so I was watching it and was like, okay. And then I saw your note and was like, I just watched the fucking wrong show. But on on <laughs> this weird. on this week's NXT, um, you had that whole thing with Austin Theory coming in mm-hmm. and going after Scarlett and being like, you know, the same silly jokes of like, oh my god, they're so big, they can't be real, and, mm-hmm. and he's talking about her nails, and it's like. Fucking it! Like how th- this was how, and do you how? know what? Like that's the only thing because I reckon NXT have the best women's division at the minute, and the mm. the, the more solidly booked women's division. Like if you take away the like the 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 horse women from the main event scene, like nothing's really booked that well. But NXT is consistently booked really well, and then you get that shit this week, and it's like why why are we why are we doing hokey shit like this? Like it, it it almost a shame that the the women's division of NXT doesn't get more viewers. Like mm. you know, because like NXT gets less viewers than Raw and SmackDown, and they have the best women's division as far as I'm concerned. But you're totally yeah. right. The Austin Theory stuff was just like, what the fuck was that for? Yeah. Like, and why are we doing this? I just it, it felt like such a step back. It was like, and like don't get me wrong as well. Like we talk about the, you know how the women's evolutions come in and how it's so much better and stuff like that. I think the older women's division doesn't get the credit it deserved. You think back to when Trish and Lita main evented an episode of Raw. That at the mm. time was fucking unheard of. Do you know what I mean? You, yep. you, you actually had a really solid women's division, and I know it's like well, mm. people say, "Oh, well, the the talent is so much better nowadays." Stuff, yeah, to a degree, but also at the same time, there was loads of talent back then too. It was more just giving them actual screen time is, in a way that wasn't just gimmick matches and bra and panties yeah. and like wrestling mud and shit. They they forget like women's wrestling, like it went down hill like we saw it go downhill i think people forget that it was actually up the hill once because like they were women they were divas you know mm-hmm. you had even before like the likes of trish and that you had the likes of alundra blaze and that actually doing some really good story work and being legitimate women's wrestlers and then it went massively downhill and we're going to just objectify the fuck out of here and you can have matches in in mud and stuff like that uh and then you're divas now you aren't women and then we're going to introduce butterfly belts because he's like butterflies don't you and stuff like that um <laughs> And they had to climb I mean, back up again. Like saying saying that be, even in the the height of the women's evolution or whatever revolution, whatever you want to call it, you know the the women's memorial battle royal, whatever the fuck it was, trophy was a giant fucking cervix, wasn't it? Do you know what I mean? So it's like even yeah. then, it's like it's a bit, you know, yeah, on, yeah. on the nose, isn't it? <laughs> but um, but no, I, I totally take your point that like the the older or the previous generations do not get. I I actually give way more credit to people like Trish and Lita and, and Mickey James who had to work with that shit yeah. and try and make something good. Look at you give a really good example and you've given it a few times of Molly Holly was actually willing to shave her head to be on um was it WrestleMania? Yeah yeah. Yeah. Um to get to get a woman's to get her women's match on WrestleMania. And it's like that was the kind of shit they had to go through just to be seen and like as much as you can give credit to to what women's wrestling is today, and the fantastic women's wrestlers, and I don't want to discredit them at all, like they 
that that path was being carved for them by these people. Do you know what I mean? And a million percent. I think they're, I think they're well, all well aware of that, obviously, because they, they loved the likes of Lita and Trish Stratus, not themselves when they were kids. But um, it's just, like you say, it's ridiculous when you talk about the women's uh, evolution or revolution or whatever, um, like that it, it's not more of a prominent thing to say, like, these are the women who, who sort of carved that path. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think, you know, the point that you made about, like, peaks and troughs as well, I think there's been so many peaks and troughs. Obviously, there was, you know, you mentioned the whole Alundra Blaze and stuff like that. Even before then, you had your Mae Youngs and your, your fabulous Moolers and Bull Nakanos mm. and all, all this kind of stuff where women's wrestling was taken seriously. And then as yeah. we went into the whole Attitude Era, that's when it kind of, again, took a downturn of, well, okay, now it just needs to be about sex and, you know, like bikini or like bra and panties types of stuff like even mm. back then and then it kind of got a bit of traction again with the likes of Trish and you know Mickey James and Lita and that kind of made it a bit more relevant again and then it took another dip when as you said like the whole divas thing and stuff but I yeah. think I think your call out to Mickey James is a, is such you know it's topical anyway with where we are today but it's so true because she was someone who came in at the tail end of like the Trish and Lita years mm. you know worked in that era and saw it decline into the diva stuff and you know back up again into the evolution like she's she yeah. it's crazy she, like she, how she's she had to deal with such a confusing fucking era to be honest because she was in an era where the women's wrestling itself was actually getting really good you had people like um like it's a weird shout i know because arguably a career weren't that long but you had the people like michelle mccool and stuff like that who were legitimately good in the ring <laughs> and um and so the women's wrestling itself was really quite good but then they were still doing like just garbage storylines like the whole piggy james thing and yeah. it's like it's really like it's like you, like you wouldn't book that kind of shit now but the wrestling itself was was getting like much more prominent like they weren't they weren't just there to be like seen and you know, not actually having much skill in the ring, so she was in like a like a weird era for me because it's like, well, okay, so you're still objectifying them and treating them like garbage a little bit, but you're letting them wrestle, and mm -hmm. then obviously, she, like you say, she's been around for the the women's evolution. She's like she's been around quite recently, um, up until the release. So yeah, she's kind of been through quite a few of those eras, really, in that sense. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Massive credit to her, to be fair. And I think as well, interestingly, you're like, oh, you wouldn't really see that kind of thing now, like the Piggy James and stuff. It wasn't that long ago when, you know, Natalia had a, a flatulence gimmick where she would just fart uncontrollably. Do you remember that? It was like a couple of years ago, yeah. believe it or I mean, not. Uh, it was like, I think, literally within the last year that they had her throwing tantrums. Yeah. Um, they dropped that pretty fucking quick, like, but they did that. But I'm talking like, you know, Gillian Hall has a growth on her face kind of bad. <laughs> like, yeah. we, we've at least stepped away from that. That's you know? true. And... Do you know what? I'm keen to get your thoughts on this as well. I, I've been watching the A&E documentaries, um, you know, really good stuff. So obviously there was a Piper one, there was a one on Stone Cold and there's one on Macho Man. Um, mm. You know, there's a couple more to come out as well. But on the Macho Man one, obviously it goes really deep into, you know, Savage and Elizabeth. And I think it might be Jericho who calls out um, how good Elizabeth was um, at just being a manager or a valet. Mm. And... Part of me actually resents to a degree. Um, maybe resents is too strong a word, but I miss valets and managers that can mm. be women. Like like Elizabeth was such a, a fantastic valet. You look back, you've had like Trish Stratus when she was part of TNA, who was always getting involved, and um, you know Stacey Keebler and people like that who 
were really, really good. And like, I think it was Jericho who said, now anyone, any, like any woman who gets into the business has to be a wrestler. It's almost yeah. like they can't be a valet anymore. Um, yeah. So it's nice to see the like of, Scar- of like Scarlet Bordeaux. That like yeah. for me, that's one of the reasons I think she's just so good as well at what she does. And mm. it's not about her having to get in the ring and be a wrestler. Like she can be a valet or a manager, and it'd yeah. be cool. But I just don't think we see enough of it anymore. I think you're right. And do you think there's like this unspoken pressure to like be a wrestler to like to prove like the whole women's thing? Because it's not like anyone's pressuring Paul Heyman to wrestle. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you're there and you, you, you know, you're with Roman, you might as well wrestle. Like, there's no pressure there, but you think there's maybe an unspoken pressure for people like Scarlett who, like, their role is more a valet, but obviously then it's like, well, you could be part of this revolution, you know? Mm, maybe, you know, I just, I don't know, I feel like there is there is a place for both, like, there always has been and oh, there always definitely. will be, and it's well, not again, even just it's about... That's why I cited the likes of uh, Paul Heyman, because I don't yeah, think it's I... a thing. Like, we use the term valet, but obviously we've had, like, Paul Bearer, Heyman, we've got yeah. MVP acting in those similar capacities. There's no reason yeah. that we Literally can't have Literally stole, stole the words out of my mouth. I was going to say exactly was... the same thing. If you think about it, you know, it's it's managers and or, or like, valets or whatever in general who um, who who were lacking, really, because you used to have, your, yep. you know, your, your Bobby Heenans, your Jimmy the Mouth of the South Heart... You would have yeah. the ge- you know, the genius. You would have all all these, you know. Do you think there's um there's a correlation though between people who like who suit the valet role and being good talkers, and the fact that WWE want to script things more and more because they do really like scripting things now. So it's hard to be a valet or a, a, a manager or whatever you want to call them in that sense anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like Heyman gets a bit of license to talk how he wants. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, MVP to some level as well. But like it, it's hard to, to get people who's like, oh, they're really good talkers because WWE don't want them to say what they want. They want them to say exactly what it says on the script. It's yeah. hard to be a good talker. You see it in wrestlers when they cut a promo and it's like, get these catchphrases in. You know? So yeah. it's a Do much you know harder it's, job now, I think. It's a really interesting point though. I think the beauty of managers back in the day was that they didn't have to always be the mouthpiece or they weren't always the one doing all the talking. Like, they could, yeah. definitely. But even people who weren't a good promo would speak. And, yeah. like, you know, you'd have these, like, tag, like crazy tag teams like that, you know, Jimmy Hart would manage and they'd all do their own bit. And obviously Jimmy Hart would have, would have his little shtick as well, but it was it felt a lot more real, even though it was crazy to say because considering, like, the gimmicks yeah. and the characters and how cartoony <laughs> it was. It just felt so like it was real. It, it didn't feel like, well, this guy's reading his lines and this guy's waiting for him to finish his lines before he interjects. It was just they'd speak, yeah. and it was. I I do really miss that about today's product. I think watching yeah. these old A and E documentaries reminds me of how Tweaking good it was. Yeah, like you know, even Pipe, like Piper, man, he was so fucking uh, good. He was such an excellent, you know, ability, and it's mad to think how how over he was and how big of a heel he was as well at a point in time. You know, he headlined the first WrestleMania for a reason. And I think a lot of people, like, um, I'd, I'd sent the link to me dad because um, obviously he doesn't watch wrestling anymore, you know, except for our stuff, um, if he finds mm-hmm. that we've interviewed someone or, or whatever. Um, but, it, you know, he's still a big fan of the old school stuff and he's been watching these documentaries and it's kind of brought him back into it as well, just looking at how good it was. And he never really remembered how big of a star Piper was. And I think that is, that's so true. I think a lot of people it's remember him from you, his little run in like... the IC title scene. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. he was, he was a main event just because he never held the title. He was the biggest heel in pro wrestling at one point. You get people like that though, don't you? Who like, 
like I don't know why you do it because he's such a big name in wrestling, but you like you forget, like you say, just how big he was. Mm. And I don't know what it is about Piper, and he's not the only one. I'm trying to think of other wrestlers where you've done that as well. But like, yeah, for some reason, you you like you say you have to be re- reminded almost of like how big they were, and like like you say, you're probably quite right. He was the biggest heel in the business at one point. Everyone remembers like the whole coconut thing. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> He was he's he was just, so fucking good, you know. Like some of his, I mean, even recently he's been in the, he's been getting. I don't want to say like cancel culture stuff because obviously it was wrong at the time, and you know it's right to bring it up. But obviously he had an element of like blackface in one of his promos, didn't he? I don't know if you've seen that kind of. I, know, I remember us talking about it. Like um, it got edited out of the Peacock uh, platform, didn't it? They've they've took that that bit out. Yeah, so I think you know there's there's a lot of stuff he did as well, which is probably too controversial for today's times, but. I don't think that should like tarnish his legacy or anything like that. I think he was just—he was a very rare talent that I don't think this business has has ever really seen yeah. since, um, to a degree. I um I won't go into the whole council culture thing, and I'm not going to condone certain things that people have done. But I just I never understand when people go after like the long dead. Do you know what I mean? Like all due respect to Piper, the long dead, and it achieves nothing getting offended by it now. Yeah, like. Because let's face it, it's not like they're trying to change the perspective of WWE. WWE have stopped doing that shit a long time ago. So it's not like WWE is still haphazardly booking crazy fucking shit like this and someone needs to step up and do something. It's already been dealt with. You're getting offended by something that's already been addressed. Mm-hmm. That's how I look at it with Piper. Yeah, like exactly. People, like People in this country vandalising statues of like long dead um, prime ministers and stuff like that. It's like, well, it doesn't like, really achieve much now. Like, Yeah, we know he was an asshole, but he's... You know, not going to change anything really. <laughs> yeah, well, you can't really you know. change now. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. I think for anyone who hasn't seen these uh, these documentaries, I definitely think you should check them out because you know it's so they're just so fucking good. And it, it's good as well to see WWE documentaries outside the network and actually on you know another channel like A and E. So yeah, I, I definitely think. You know what? I think a nice little segue if we could while we're talking about documentaries. Let's talk about Louis Theroux. Okay. Um, I'm a big fan of Louis Theroux. I'm not going to talk about his work outside of wrestling, but uh, me and uh, the wife often find ourselves uh, watching like some of his documentary stuff because we really enjoy his style. And um, he has uh, oh, had a show like way back when uh, called Weird Weekends, and one of the um, particular ones he, he did was he spent some time with uh, WCW. Uh, now this is an, uh, a time when I didn't know a lot of names, so apologies for this. But you'll you'll notice some faces. You'll probably notice better than I will some faces. But he spent some time there, and um, he he done a lot behind the scenes. He spoke to who he could, so he spoke to Piper, he spoke to Goldberg, he tried to speak to Savage, as I mentioned. But what I found really as a segment by itself at some point, Carl, is the era and the time he was he was doing this documentary. He mentioned to and apologies because he was probably quite a well-known um, trainer for WCW at the time but he, he sort of had a conversation with one of the um, the trainers and said to him about wrestling being fake and the guy took so much umbrage to that that um, oh, on the next day when he went to do a bit of training with them to find out what it's like what the condition is like and all that he ran him through the mill he, like he had him to the point that he was throwing up that like, he was that fucking exhausted and he was screaming at him but, and then basically towards the end of it all when Louis was just exhausted and was like I give up he was like now do you think wrestling's fake and it was all because he made that comment about wrestling being fake and I'm like it's weird how 
different it is now because it was such a guarded thing, like so offensive if you said fake. And I think there probably are still some who get offended by it, but like it, it it's weird how like for me I was watching it like that is something that pretty much everybody knows now. Like mm-hmm. it's not a guarded secret anymore. But it, like even just in the nineties that was such a guarded thing that you can't say fake, it's not fake. And we know like fake might not be the right word. People prefer to use the term scripted. Right, mm-hmm. and that is genuinely what Louis meant because it was a, it, it was a theatrics. They knew what the results were going to be. You weren't saying it was fake in terms of the physicality, but this guy took massive, massive umbrage to what he said. And um, yeah, the the I'd love if if he done a documentary now and looked at wrestling now because he was speaking. He was um, dealing with some some backyard wrestling promotions as well, and they were just totally fucking honest with him about it and how. Like, you know, yeah, it's fake, it's predetermined and all that. It's still brutal because they were doing like barbed wire matches and everything. So it was like, it was fucking brutal. You know what I mean? Um, and, you know, they were showing like the dangerous sort of that side of it as well. Like your, your independent backyard style and they're doing things that are really putting the bodies on the line with absolutely no safety at all. So there's like a lot of crazy elements to it. But yeah, I just find it fascinating how I don't think he get the same reaction now. Like if he'd done a documentary now and was looking at the behind the scenes of it all and mentioned about it being fake... I don't think you get the the same visceral reaction or protective nature from them all now because it's like, well, yeah, everybody knows that, bar a few odd bods who don't realise that. It's so well, yeah, it's so interesting to me. That's why Undertaker calls the locker room soft. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's it, it's a weird one. I think um, anyone, especially like you'll see this with like third generation or like second generation um, wrestlers, they will take a lot more umbrage to the term fake than. Than others um i think it, it's a weird one because obviously i i know i'm not i can't call myself a wrestler but i did wrestling training so if yeah so you, you, you felt what it's like to take a bump yeah so as soon yeah. as you know that it, it ain't landed on a fucking you know bouncy castle and it is actually quite a painful thing especially you know stuff like a, a, you know off a top rope when someone says you know do a senton and you land and you're like and like you haven't landed your legs properly and stuff and your ankles bound you know Stuff like mm. from my experiences, you go fucking hell. Like it only takes one slight thing to be like really in pain, and that's just like in training. You know, imagine yep. doing this yeah, for 20, 20 minutes, like three hundred days out of the year. Um, so yeah, I think I think the term fake is it's probably just the terminology of it that is I, I prefer the, the term scripted. But I think what fascinates me is like he, Louis clearly like he, he's not. I don't know if he's been a wrestling fan in his youth, but he clearly wasn't like a wrestling mark at the time. Do you mm. know what I mean? So, like, probably didn't appreciate the, the choice of terminology. And it's like, it, it wasn't said in a way to say, like, this is all fake, these are all a bunch of fucking weaklings and all this. Like, <laughs> it was just, it was, it literally meant in the same way that we say scripted. It's like, he was trying to talk about the, the predetermined elements of it because what he was trying to get to the bottom of with the guy is like, how does that work? Like, do you choreograph every element of it? Do they go out there and do it off the cuff? And that was the kind of conversation he wanted to have with the guy. But the guy just didn't want to know because he mentioned the word fake. And then, yeah. as I say, he ran him through the mill. And it's like, I don't know, it's just so interesting more that he, he took so much umbrage just for, like, you used the wrong word, so now I fell out with you. Yeah. It's, just, it's crazy I mean, how protective they were. You know, the, the cynic in me, and not to ruin your love for Louis Theroux, but I imagine to make a good documentary, you need a bit of a story there. So, you know, whether or not it was played up to the fact of, well, you're you're going to call it fake, and then I'm going to put you through your paces. You know, was that was that maybe. scripted also? <laughs> maybe, um, maybe that would but, be quite the irony, wouldn't it, to to yeah. script something that is about 
wrestling being scripted. But like but you know, even you can so, look, you can think, look back I think years the mentality and years, in that era, like that's the bit that fascinated me from it is that the mentality in that era was like, yeah, you don't you don't call it like there was probably more of an illusion that wasn't even scripted. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. people, like there were people who were genuinely convinced what was going on was legit going on. Like, do you know what I mean? Like it's it's crazy. Like everyone knows now what we're watching. Like you know. Randy and the Fiend probably get on backstage like that's a foregone conclusion like but there was a time when people were like oh my god they just hate each other and it's yeah like, of course no, not really you know what I mean yeah but I just think I think it's interesting just how sort of it doesn't seem to have affected the love for wrestling even though a lot of the elements that probably were um not talked about or hidden behind the veil are like just a fact yeah. now you know it, like, was, you, you it was it was a much it more it was a much more guarded secret back in the day. Like, if you Google a guy called David Schultz, he's not a very well-known wrestler, but he gets interviewed by some reporter. And similar thing, this is like years ago, 80s, maybe even late 70s. And he says, like, you know, it's fake. And he goes, oh, really? And he slaps the shit out of this reporter, um, like, literally beats him up. He goes, does it feel fake? Um, and at the time, you were told to protect the integrity of your job, basically, because if people found... No one knew that if, if, if people found out it was fake, whether or not people would just stop watching, stop paying money to come and see it. Um, yeah. So, you know, for a long period of time, people felt, this is this is real, I'm really invested in it, and bought into it. So promoters were like, well, if word gets out that this is actually just a carny production where, you know, things are predetermined, maybe they won't care as much anymore because it still had that sports-like feel. And, you know, yeah. you, you can't argue against the fact that when it did start coming out... It did see a dip, um, but obviously that's when they over-sensationalized it and was like, well, okay, we're going to bring in, you know, gimmicks and characters and try and do all these other things and to get mm. interest that way, which obviously that that worked for a while and then it obviously waned again when that went a bit too over the top and a bit too silly. And then they came back with Attitude Era, so it's peaks and troughs, I think. I, yeah, I suppose they've got to be reactive, like different eras needed different things or yeah. like that's how well, exactly. you keep the viewership, I suppose. But yeah. Because like you say, we've we've often talked about when we were teenagers, like the Attitude Era and and wrestling was just fucking white hot. Everyone loved it, and yeah. then that dipped out. And then like we're probably, um, in terms of numbers of people who like in our friend group, was probably just a, a couple of people now who like wrestling rather than everyone did. Um, so it definitely has its its peaks and troughs in that sense. But um, yeah, I just find it interesting. Like for certainly for people like us, for fans. I I don't think it ever affected my enjoyment because there's a point when you're a kid that you don't know it's fake. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? That you don't know it's scripted or whatever. And there's a point when you realise it is. Um, and I don't think it's ever affected my enjoyment of it because you go, well, it is what it is. You know what it is, and you watch it knowing what it is. It's like watching a, anything. It's like watching any sort of theatre production. Then at that point, do you know yeah. what I mean? And I think as but, well, it's um, it's worth noting, like way back when, like I, I don't know, fifties, forties, even maybe even earlier. Um, it wasn't fake as such. It was. You know, it was still it still had a carny feel to it, um, but it was let's get people to fight each other, and we'd have like the this is the guy who, um, you know, step step right up, step right up, fight this guy. Um, you know, mm-hmm. if if you if you beat him, you'll become you know whatever, you get all this money, and it was pretty shoot for a while. Like it was like these mm-hmm. guys who knew what they were doing and would beat people up. It was only then when it was like, well, there's money to be made if we take bets on this and start gambling, and then we actually yeah, you know the results and. Yeah, and then yeah. you know, like that's how it all kind of evolved. But even yeah. even even after that, you, you would get with different territories. You would get different champions, especially in like the National Wrestling Alliance. You would get, you know, well, this guy's the champion in the, in this territory. Well, this guy's the champion in this territory. You know, you can't have two world champions. Who's the best? And you really had to 
you know, the promoters would be really like, well, who are we going to put the belt on? Because if we put it on the wrong guy, he might just go and take a payout somewhere and take a loss, or he might just, or we might put him up against someone who isn't willing to do business and just actually fucking beat the shit out of him and take the belt. Then what do you do? Mm. You know what I mean? So, you know, it, it, a lot of change has happened in the wrestling business. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it is insane. Like, um, it's a really good point. It's mad to think, and you go right back to that. But, um, but yeah, so I just wanted to sort of um, muse on that for a bit because I find it fascinating, like, how, like, that documentary is, like, it's still very interesting, but, like, it's it's such a different product then to what it is now. And in some ways, and I'm not agreeing with Undertaker's statement that it's soft because it's still a massive toll on your body, but I suppose, like, the Attitude Era was, again, a bit more shoot-fighty because, like, there's elements that, from a safety point of view, WWE don't let you take a chair shot to the head anymore. You know, and various bits like that. So, you know, th- there are elements that it's like, yeah, you can't do that now. So, mm-hmm. and that's just to protect the health and safety of the people. And it was still scripted back then, but obviously the, the physicality has changed to it, I suppose, as well. Yeah. It's, um, I think, a, a lot of the pressure from the whole, you know, concussion lawsuits and things like that. And obviously, Chris Nowitzki, who was a former tough enough competitor, um, had a short run as, you know, in the WWE. He is very involved and, he seriously believes that there's a lot of stuff from CTE that, um, you know, causes early deaths or, you know, suicides or mental health issues and things like that. You know, he puts stuff from, like, the Benoit tragedies down to CTE. You know, a lot of people were reporting at the time it was, like, roid rage and stuff, but he got mm. Benoit's dad's permission to analyse the brain and mm. the, the findings were insane. And obviously Benoit... Do you know what the the dive and headbutt? And it's a massive tangent, but we're not really doing a segment, so I feel like I, I can go there. Um, no, tangent, tangent. But, uh, <laughs> but obviously, if you look at wrestlers over the years who've done a dive and headbutt, they've all perished pretty much. And you know, you go you talk about Benoit, but like you go and think about like the Dynamite Kid. You, you know, before that, there was wrestlers in Japan and Mexico, and even in, in the UK who. When it became prominent, it would fuck them up. Basically, they would either end up with some kind of spinal issue, some kind of like you know concussion-related things. You know, Dynamite Kid was paralyzed um, mainly because of of that headbutt. Benoit used to do that headbutt all the time, and you know we yeah. saw the scans of his brain. So I think it's you know there was a lot to be to be learnt about wrestling styles and things like that. And oh, definitely. I think um, the trouble is like it, it, it is real people. Like you watch like an action film. And people are getting knocked out left and right, and they just wake up again, like, oh, you know, that that delayed me for a second. But that's not how it works. Head no. trauma is head trauma, do you know what I mean? And as much as you want to believe these guys are like action stars, like that, if a film is entirely fake, these guys can't keep taking knocks to the head. So, no. yeah. It's, I mean, um, think about it. We were, we, we were chatting to Brian Clark, weren't we, like last week or the week before, you know, Adam Brom. And he was saying, like, how easy it is to just develop, you know, a dependency on you know, yep. pain pills and things like that, because yep. you're literally, you know, people, we talk about it being fake, you're literally abusing your body, you know, you're putting your, your body through something which the human body is not meant to go through, um, yep. just repetitive injuries and, you know, abuse yep. and pressure, and, you know, eventually... Yep. Well, you, that's why, gotta... like, you speak to people like like uh, Brian Clark, and it's, it's like, you got to commend them, because he had to make the choice between basically feeling discomfort and pain regularly, or being constantly on painkillers and he's yeah. had to make that choice and it's a tough choice to make but like you can't deny the physical toll it takes you really can't no 
But yeah, I totally get why WWE have, have changed the stance on things. But and that's why I can resent comments from as much as Undertaker's my favorite wrestler. I don't want to disrespect him. Like we talked about the locker room being soft, and it's like, what do you want? Like, mm. do, do you want them to go out there and like damn near kill themselves? That it's not. It, it it shouldn't be the product it was. Not in that sense. And I, mean, I know his comment came from the fact that they were playing video games instead of like I don't know rolling dice or whatever the fuck he did. But um, even so, it's like it's it's not a softer. Pro- it's still a physical toll. It's just the the more aware of things now as they should be. Yeah, yeah. You got so spe- damn right. Speaking of obviously, you know, we spoke a lot about wrestling in the past, wrestling today. Mm. What what are your thoughts on the product today versus the different eras of the past and? You know, based on everything we've spoken about so far, do you think there has been a growth or a decline in the product? And what do you think the reasons are for that? I think like it, it differs for different companies. Like AEW have their issues because they're, they're so sort of they're so eager, but they don't necessarily hit the mark every time. But I'll I'll concentrate on WWE um, as much as I'm not an AEW fanboy. I promise. Um, <laughs> like the big problem with WWE, WWE could be a much better product, in my opinion if they were more consistent with the scripting. Like, I don't even mind it being scripted, but the fact that things can change on a whim is really, really noticeable. Like, and I know they want to cater to casual fans, I guess, but, like, the casual fans aren't the people... Like, they're the ones who are going to dip in and out. Like, if you want people to stay, you need to tell a good story. And mm-hmm. I feel like, for me, that's why you watch anything. Like, you watch any sort of TV, you watch a TV show, you watch a film, you watch it for the for the story elements of it. Like, don't be wrong. I'm not watching like Fast and Furious solely for the story. Like, it's action packed, so I get that they want to put action in there. But like, look at Raw this week. You can't just throw Braun in there because he's a big burly man and expect that it's oh, that's going to catch people's attention. Like, no, we need an actual decent story. And the fact that they keep sort of bailing on ideas or you getting sort of non-start ideas or whichever, and like AEW are kind of guilty of this of like this reactionary thing of like, well, let's pull Mike Tyson in. And it's like, that kind of takes me out of the whole story, to be honest. Like, I don't know how you feel on that, because I get why they're pulling celebrities in to draw eyes onto the product. But for me, the regular fan, I'm like, but I was invested in what's going on, and now you've just thrown a celebrity at me for no reason. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think um, it didn't massively offend me bringing Mike Tyson in, um, because they brought him in not too long ago, and it was actually quite decent. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean... <laughs> I don't know, it, it doesn't massively offend me. I think like when WWE did the whole you know guest host thing and stuff and it became, every week it became about the guest hosts and it was almost like a yeah. Saturday Night Live fucking skit, do you know what I mean? Whereas I think AW have been guilty of bringing in celebrities for ratings, absolutely. But I feel like they haven't made them the, the center point of the wait, show. Wait. I, I'll say, I know AW are guilty of it and I'm trying to acknowledge that they're nowhere near as bad as WWE for the way they execute it. Because mm. you can't get any lazier than going, here's Logan Paul. Like, <laughs> no real context. Yeah. Like, that's just lazy. Like, like cause for me, with the whole Sammy, Logan Paul uh, thing, it was kind of like, hmm, well, let's just reach out to some celebrities. And he was like, yeah, I'll do it. And you're like, oh, shit, you, you, you've come back to us like two weeks before the show. How do we write him into the fucking show to get him at WrestleMania? And it was and like, like, it was so badly Sammy, done. Sammy, we'll, we'll, we'll put Sammy in it somehow. And it's like, it just, that was just lazy. And mm-hmm. that is the problem I've got as a whole is like I think storytelling is the, the, the most important thing and the thing that most shows seem to care the least about. Mm. AEW I think are better at storytelling but for me storytelling is the biggest element. I really don't Do get you know why what? it's not 
more of a thing. It's so interesting how polarizing a character like Vince Russo is. Because if you look at someone like Jim Cornette, who is very much, you know, a wrestling traditionalist, he believes in the old school way of doing things and, you know, all that good stuff. And then you've got Vince Russo, who is more or less responsible for the Attitude Era. You know, you can't mm. deny that that is the case. And did he have stuff that absolutely tanked, of course, but did he have he stuff did. that absolutely fucking delivered on a, a consistent basis? Definitely. So I've always been in the camp of, you know, Russo is not the devil or the enemy. You know, he's someone who definitely wanted to write for TV more than he did for a wrestling company. And that's the big umbrage that, you know, Cornette has with him. But at the same time, it did what it needed to do. And it was relevant. It was topical, but not and in a way that honest, felt pushed down your throat. Uh, but that's, let's be honest, that's what that's what WWE and that's what Vince wanted. They didn't want a wrestling product. They wanted a TV show. Mm. That's why it became World Wrestling Entertainment. I mean, to be fair, though, you, like, you are absolutely right in what you're saying. But at the same time, Vince didn't want what, what he got in the Attitude Era. Like, if Vince Russo didn't come in and, you know, NWO didn't happen... WWE mm. was fucked because mm. all all Vince's formula was was we're in the stage of gimmicks and characters and stuff and that's when you were getting you know peak fucking 95 96 of WWE was awful it was horrendous and you know it's crazy you've got the likes of Adam Bob who the character wasn't great don't get me wrong but you could look at him and go they could have built him as a fucking world champion as we oh, talked about with him do you yeah. know what I mean but then you've got people like fucking Duke the fucking dumpster drowsy and it's like what occupation exists you know Kane fucking um fucking Isaac Yankum the the yeah. fucking dentist and it's like really it went it went so gimmick heavy that it just became pathetic and no one cared about any of the characters and it was mm. on a steady decline it was um you know a combination of Austin finding the Stone Cold character and Vince Russo writing a lot of good stuff for him as well um as well as the Rock. You know, it, it was a it was a perfect storm almost. You had Austin. See, I think, I think that's probably the for me that's the difference between a gimmick and a character. Like as much as a, like I don't want to try and sound like I'm coining like two different phrases for the same thing, but like you have a gimmick where it's like well we're gonna dress you like a like a farmer, right? Or you have like a character where Stone Cold was this anti-establishment badass. Like that's not a, a gimmick. That's like. This is you. This is you as a character, so we can flesh that out as as a character, and we can build stories around that. Like you, you limit yourself straight away when you go. Well, you're a dentist. Yeah. Because how many dentist stories can you tell? Well, exactly. I mean, to be fair, Austin he came up with his character. He, um, I can't remember the actual person, but uh, he based it on like a, a serial killer, basically, and he wanted to be yes. kind of well, exactly, and he wanted to be, you know, preying upon his opponents and be like this cold, calculated motherfucker and. You know, it just so happened his wife at the time was said to him, like, you know, are you going to drink your tea? It's going to go stone cold. And he was like, oh, that's it. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I'm stone cold. That, okay, I that's, guess that, that's the thing that's missing. Steve Austin bit? <laughs> he, did, he was a big fan of the Million Dollar Man uh, TV show. <laughs> um, but yeah, so obviously, you know, he couldn't be Steve Williams because we had Dr. Death and he was from Texas. So he was like, I'll go with Austin. Um, but then, yeah, obviously, he built that character up just kind of based on something. And, you know, we know how it all unfolded, the whole, you know, Austin 316 promo, the whole Bret Hart thing, well, the whole... often said, like, the, the 316 promo wasn't the start of Stone Cold. Exactly. People just think, you know, oh, yeah, that was it, you know, and don't get me wrong, it, it was really good for his character. 
the next night people came out with like Austin 316 signs and stuff but mm. it was a good period of time where he was still finding his feet on what is that character um, before he became you know the real what what's, what's the word the real like catalyst I guess uh, of his growth was obviously Brett getting fucking screwed because that's when Vince McMahon became an on-screen character people realised he was the boss and not just some shitty announcer guy and then all of a sudden mm. that was the money it was something what wrestling hadn't done before which was everybody's got a boss and you know mm. a lot of the time you don't get on with your boss so it's kind of like well how can we make this into compelling story uh, storytelling and there you go that that was it <laughs> do you think um do you think the whole vince mcmahon and the whole authority thing i know it added ups and downs generally but do you think it ever really worked outside of austin because he was the um, perfect foil to Austin for most of it. But, um, like, and I get, like, there was an era when, like, CM Punk was up against Triple H and it was a very similar thing of, like, going up against the authority. But do you think the authority kind of had its day at, like, the likes of Austin? I mean, I think it got very overdone. So if you look at, like, the authority of Triple H and Steph in, like, you know, a couple of years ago, that was that was bad. It was overdone at that point. I feel like yeah. it wasn't just a one-trick pony with Austin. I feel like they had the stuff with the corporate ministry. They had the stuff with... Um, you know the commissioners and stuff, uh, Ric Flair and Bischoff and things like that. So, authority angles have been, you know, historically pretty good for WWE. But I think, like everything, it, you know, it, it's got its expiration date, and I think that has probably come and gone now. Which doesn't make sense again. Why we've got the likes of Adam Pearce and Sonya Deville with the authority figures, but with no real authority, and then you have like Shane McMahon rock up, and it's like it's in a terrible place now because. You know, on the one hand, you don't want to have another authority angle where it's like, no. oh, we're fighting the author because it's been done so much. But at the same time, you don't want to have no real understanding of how the show is put on or who's in charge. So you still need that. But yeah, yeah. It's just- but like you say, I think the right formula isn't it of going, well, they don't need to be on the screen. Just because you have someone booking the stuff, they don't need to be on the screen. We just need to know that there's some guidance there, I guess. Yeah. Um, look, I think Regal is the perfect one. <laughs> Fuck it, like literally everything, every everything I think of, you say it just before me. It was so in sync. I was just about to say, I think the the, the best example of that in today's world is Regal in NXT, and he's, he's had success. Face, but he's there when you need him. That's it. He's had success in the past as being a commissioner, but in NXT, he's just the perfect amount of there. You know, you know, with maybe the over the top war games, but you know. Yeah. push that aside and it's like you know for the most part he's a really good authority figure um Indeed. so yeah he is a fantastic example today but like on the raw side and stuff it just, and well smack down to a degree like adam pierce sonny deville whatever's going on there isn't working at the moment it just it just doesn't make any sense so. be interesting to see where they go because like i say there was this heavy suggestion that like they might start a bit of infighting between the two of them because she's undermined his decision to suspend charlotte so it's going to start something. I don't know where they go with that. It's such a I weird thing as well to have Sonya Deville back in the ring at a point. But it's so weird to have Sonya Deville as a authority figure for some reason. Like when they do that, like someone's like injured or like they've been like she had a like a match, like an I quit match or whatever, didn't she? And so couldn't work there. And it's like, well, you're going to be an authority figure now. It's like, what qualifies you to do this? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I, I don't want to moan too much because it kind of worked. Like, I, I enjoyed Kurt Angle, for instance, as a as a manager of Raw, so I can't moan too much about it. Um, although, interestingly, I didn't never liked Mick Foley as the general manager. Don't know how you feel about that. Well, hmm. As really? Yeah. As as like as the commissioner? 
back in the day or what was the commissioner it wasn't like Steph the commissioner but he was the general manager I get confused how that relationship works um I can't really remember like recent times and stuff I remember he was commissioner Foley like a, we're talking like 10 years ago okay um, I'll apologize then I'm referring to the recent endeavor when Stephanie right. and Shane each had a show and then they each had a manager working for them and I think Shane had Daniel Bryan at the time and Steph had Mick Foley yeah um, oh, okay. I never enjoyed that McFoley. Yeah, same. Um, I think. Well, I think to be honest, that execution was awful all round. Of having the commissioners and general managers it was like, why do we need so many authority figures? This is weird. Well, that's it. It's it, it's been done to death. You know, Vince was. You're never going to top Vince. Vince was the ultimate heel. He was, you know, he was so relatable as you know being a boss and you know how many people across America, across the world, you know really would lo- love to get one over on the, on the boss kind of thing, you know, so it mm. it made perfect sense in storyline. And then, you know, it didn't go downhill from there because after that you had the McMahon-Helmsley era. And mm. I was I was a big fan of that, honestly, I was. The whole billion-dollar princess and Triple H and the power couple and then Vince actually joining that power couple and stuff, you know, eventually um, and taking over. It all made sense. I think they just maybe lost their way a little bit. Um and now we're we're at a point where it's probably the all time low because no one knows what's happening. You know, you think back, you've got Teddy Long as like the general manager, and you know Bischoff as your as your, as your general manager, and that was good. You know, some mm. of the stuff that happened, especially like the whole Bischoff um, officiating the wedding and like infiltrating the show and stuff. You know, we speak about that all the time, don't we? As being such a good thing, but now there's there's nothing. Like for me, I don't understand in today's product why there's even a brand split. Doesn't make sense I anymore. I really agree with that. I I don't even mind. Like, I don't think you need an official brand split. Split. You need both shows, don't you? Because there's that many talent, and you're gonna have some people who show up on one show more than the other, and so on. Like, I get that. Oh yeah. But I particularly, I don't like. Um, I don't like the multiple belts thing. I really don't. Like, I don't mind the IC and the US title existing because they 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 exist on their own anyway. They are separate titles, right? But. The universal title can do one for me. Uh, you have your top title, your world title. There should only be one top title in the company. And similarly with um, your tag titles, there should only be one set of tag titles. Yeah. Uh, like I don't mind NXT having their own because they're kind of their own little island anyway. But like, I, yeah, I totally agree. I don't think there should really be a brand split. Uh, it, the draft every year is a joke because they just turn up where they want anyway. Like when they want to change things, they change things. So why you do like a draft every year? I don't know. I mean, they don't even that's do, it. like a transfer window or anything. They just go, <laughs> no. ah, they've come over now, whatever. Exactly. I mean, like, I get it to your point. It needs to happen, I guess, because of the amount of people they've got on on the roster. So it makes sense to give them, you know, enough screen time and you know, all that good stuff. But surely the best thing for both networks is to have the biggest fucking stars on your shows. And, you know... That's the way it see, worked the best back in the day, didn't it? You know, you would have Austin on both shows, you would have Rock on both yeah. shows. I think this is kind of the problem now, though, because this is what limits people. Like, you get, we're getting to a point now, and I don't think we're quite there yet, but you're getting to a point now where you go, who's Roman going to face next, realistically, right? We've limited ourselves, so without putting some lazy, most likely very lazy storyline in to move someone from Raw over to SmackDown to fight them, what do you do? Whereas if there wasn't a an actual brand split then it wouldn't matter. You could have anyone challenging them for it. So you then open your options up so much more. I just, I don't know, put them against Lashley, unify the fucking titles and be done with it. 
That it should be. I completely agree with that. You know, I'm it's mad really. Gold belt. <laughs> I, I <laughs> right. I fucking hate the the world championship and the universal championship. I hate it. It is. It's not. It's not even a belt. It's, it's not even gold, is it? It's just a fucking. It's a leather strap. It's with like some diamonds in in a, in a double. Like I hate that. A belt should feel prestigious. Like look at AW's belt, and you know yeah. I didn't actually realize it's, it's. I think you know is it silver or platinum? I don't know. Like uh, a, I don't know. It's not. It's like, not even just gold. Like obviously the yeah. big gold is like is like awesome, but it but just think, it felt prestigious. I think though, it? AW's belt I think has took some some steering points from the big gold belt. Because it looks as prestigious to me, like it looks yeah. like a like a belt worthy of the name, you know. Yeah, agreed, hundred percent. But yeah, I just and I, I think you've mentioned it before. Like it's a good marketing tool to have a giant fucking WWE logo. Well, that's it. Like you know, you know, constantly it, like, anyone wins Super Bowl, wins Premier League, wins Champions League, when you know they get a belt, and it's like, well, okay, they've got a belt, they're gonna take pictures with it. So what do we need to do? Make the make the logo super fucking. Makes me laugh though. Like at what point? If you had, let's say we had the big gold belt back, we abandoned the others, we had the big gold belt, and that's what they do for promotional things, and someone takes a photo of like a celebrity <laughs> holding the big gold belt, who's going to be looking at it going, what's that belt about? <laughs> well, yeah, true. Like, I mean, to be know, fair, though, know. to be fair, WWE don't call them belts anymore, they call them championships, so that's where it gets confusing, if it's like the Super Bowl champions with the championship, like... That's why they're like, we need the WWE logo on there. Like they've, they've like done it to themselves because mm. all they want to do this for is to market their company. And it's like, well, if you've got the big gold belts, you can't see the logo of your company. And that's that's what's so sad about it. You know, Bret Hart was very candid recently in, in some competition or giveaway that he did where you can win the whole, um, you know, the original Eagle belt. And he just oh, said, yeah. this, this is a title that used to mean something. And it's like, it's so true mm. because now who, like, like recently, I I'd thought maybe maybe I'm gonna buy a belt and just you know put it on display somewhere or something. And I was like, well, I would obviously definitely get the Intercontinental title because that's my you know that that's the belt for me. Would you go white strap or black strap? So I I prefer the white strap, but me too. It holds the most prestige with the wrestlers that I care about with the black strap. So I probably would go with black strap, even though okay, I prefer I it white. That. Um, I think it looks better white as well. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? It's just something different. I do like that. Mm. Um, but, like, I don't know. I feel like the world title changed that many times that, I don't know, it doesn't, it doesn't hold any, I any think real... This might not be a popular opinion. I think they ruined the world title when it became a fucking spinner. Yeah, I I'll get, agree with that, actually. Yeah. I get seen as gimmick. I get it, right? And I actually really liked the US title when he did it to that. But I didn't care about the US title, if I'm honest. I think you took the prestige and you made it a stupid thing when you made it a little spinner, glittery gold belt. And I think that was the start of the WWE logo becoming increasingly fucking more prominent and now we've got what we've got because the, mm. what was spinning in the middle, it was the WWE logo. Yeah. And I think that was the whole fucking thing. Like, I think he started this. He I, I, am, I am honestly not a fan of wrestlers getting their own belts. Obviously, after Cena, we had the Rated R Championship, didn't we, for a bit. I, you know, Before I that, that, we had Austin with did, the whole spoke skull. I not, think the the rated R thing did wonders for that fucking belt. If he'd have done it, if he'd have got the big like the the gold the eagle belt, the normal, the proper one, and made a rated R belt, I'd have been a bit pissed off. But the fact that he changed Cena's belt into something, because that's the bit that always bugged me with the spinner belt. It was like right, so other people have now got Cena's belt. Mm. Like CM Punk has been walking around 
for like 400 not whatever days he had the title for with belt and he re- like the whole story was he resented what Cena is and it's like well that's Cena's belt that's why it spins you know it's, <laughs> well, it wasn't right can you can you actually like confirm this for me was there a time where they had that belt but it didn't spin anymore I think they stopped it from spinning because mm. I think it just used to do what it wanted so I think it actually didn't <laughs> spin anymore so the logo was always the right way. I, I always got really annoyed with the fact that it just said champ as well. How fucking lazy is that? Yeah. Like, it doesn't say champion. It was just champ wrote on it. You fucking ah, god awful. And again, it tied massively into seeing his gimmick well, but yeah, but like, why would you win something and then go, well, I'm going to make my own glittery spinny one? Like, the hell? Yeah, I don't know. I think. Yeah, but imagine any other sport where you're like, imagine, right? You like football, Cal, or yeah. soccer for the Yanks, right? Imagine Everton winning. What's, what's one of the big championships that you win? The UEFA, <laughs> right? I'm, I'm fucking winging it here, Carl. You're going to have to help me out. And they win this nice big trophy, yeah? <laughs> and then they go, you know what we're going to do? We're going to make our own trophy and we're going to put loads of blue jewels on it because we're Everton. Like, wouldn't you be like, what the fuck have you done that for? You've just won a trophy while you're making your own trophy? Yeah, I would, actually. I mean, firstly, I'd be like, Everton have won a trophy? What? Um... <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I I've never been a fan of customized titles. You know, I'm not even just going after Cena. I think Austin, the whole smoking skull belt, did it look cool? Definitely. Should it have oh, happened? Yeah. No. Should it fuck? Because did you own one? Yeah. yeah. You did. <laughs> um, but still, yeah, it was cool, but it shouldn't have happened. And I think you know, at least it was like storyline behind it about like the the belt getting thrown in, in the in the fucking river and stuff like that and all that good stuff. But I don't know. I'd, but you see, they did that. That was so Austin because it was a smoke and skull. That was so Austin that what happened? They had to change it when someone else won it. Yeah, like that. And they never did that with Cena for some reason. But that's ultimately what you have to do because it's that connected with that character that doesn't suit anyone else. So it becomes fucking stupid. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> incidentally, I never minded. Right, I understood why the big gold belt came in because they took WCW and they took everything that came with it. Right. And I understand that they then had two world titles. And I understand that they wanted to unify them. So then Jericho became the first undisputed champion, right? And then I get that they made a new title that was the unified title, which actually I think is really nice. If you're going to, uh, the big eagle belt is the best belt, right? But if you're going to have a top title belt, the, um, I'll call it the well, Brock Lesnar one. Because sorry to interrupt you. With it for me. Big eagle, what do you mean? Do you mean big eagle or original eagle? Because that is a, a separate conversation. So the original Eagle is like Bret Hart's early Austin era. Okay. The big Eagle Apologies. is like with the the blue globe with like. Um... I'm gonna I'm gonna apologize and I'm gonna say the original Eagle okay. is the better belt. Yeah, I hope yeah. we're agreeing on that. But that that's. The I mean, I do, but yeah, I I think yeah. a lot a lot of people prefer Big Eagle to be fair. But yeah, I'm I I I could take it or leave it. I think the the one that you connect with. The, the biggest wrestlers in the biz it makes just makes sense doesn't it but yeah the, what i'll call the affectionately call the Brock lesnar belt because it, it, i remember it mostly with him because yeah. obviously jericho was the first but he he carried both belts for the most mm-hmm. now that belt is actually quite a nice belt i don't mind that at all right but i think some of the damaging elements as well was the fact that they got unified and ununified so many times that i think yeah, I, I lost track yeah like are they still unified is the WWE <laughs> title technically the unified world and WWE title? Is that what that still is? I don't know. I think, yeah, I think it is. To be fair, I think uh, I think the the whole Universal creation was another separate 
timeline or lineage. Like, we can't split them again. <laughs> yeah. But um but yeah, I think that was kind of damaging to the title as well. Like how do you have prestige to something that's been split and put together so many times? Like I I I think the minute that they put them belts together into that one belt, as much as I like big gold, um that should have been the belt. Yeah. And it shouldn't have shouldn't have changed after that. That should have been the belt. Yeah. I like like completely agree. Um which coming back to that whole thing of like separate shows and separate rosters and things like that like there should just be the world championship like that's it i remember <laughs> when when they originally done the brand split that was exactly how it worked brock lesnar was on both shows because he was the the top champ and he had the belt like and that made sense to me yeah you know i think uh, to your point as well like i think the intercontinental title even though it needs to fucking go back to what it used to look like um but like the ic yeah, title right. and the us title are still relevant you know back in the day you would have the european title that's now defunct so why can't the u.s title take over that and then tag yeah. team titles we don't need fucking you know two separate ones per show just have tag team there's not enough well, tag teams to have asking, separate things yeah, there definitely isn't because this is why the street profits are challenging for the belts again or will be challenging for the belts again mm-hmm. why because we've not got any other tag teams i know they've lost them from like ziggler and rude took them from them but let's have them fight them again for it why not it's been the longest, the slowest burn for a fucking rematch I've ever seen in my life. The fact that the Street Profits are coming back around again. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but yeah, we've no tag teams, so why have so many belts? Yeah, it is mad. And like, you know, don't get me wrong, I think some of the lower card talent will suffer, definitely. But they're not exactly shining anyway. You know, today, it's still the very much the same people on a fucking consistent basis. So why can't you have, you know, a single roster, but just with more you know people get more exposure on one show than the other i think it's actually really if you i think you'd be really worried if you looked at the roster and the amount of people you just don't see Mm -hmm. i think it's probably worse than we think it is because we get we do get the same handful of people like there's probably about uh, i'll try and be fair and hopefully not too generous when i say 20 people we see consistently yeah and then like is, is wwe's roster 20 people's no, it's considerably more than that. So, where is everyone else? It's, like, it's really, it's quite concerning the, the 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 amount that people aren't used. The crazy thing is, it's probably about a hundred people strong at the minute, mm. and it's yeah. like wow, because there's so many people on there that you just never hear from. And yeah, I don't know. It's probably like even th- like super talented guys like Ricochet, for example. Like we see him once in a blue moon, don't we? And it's like, well. Yeah. All right, we've got nothing for you. So it's like, well, why keep, like, just don't keep hold of them then? Like, it's become yeah. such a monopoly of them not wanting other companies to have talented guys, but they can't think of stuff for their own guys to do. So it's like, well, you know, what? I don't know. Look at, um, like, we could have a little bit of variance on Raw, right? Or SmackDown, I'm not asked, right? With Jinder Mahal. Yeah. Right? Jinder Mahal can clearly wrestle. Why? Why do I know that? Because he was on main events. Mm-hmm. So if he can wrestle on main events, why can't we include him on the main shows? And then maybe we don't have to see, oh, I don't know, Jackson Riker every fucking week unnecessarily. Maybe we could mix things up a little bit. And that's nothing anything against Jackson Riker. It's the fact that we're seeing the same people over and over again because they don't want to mix anything up. And that might have been a bad example because apparently there's a storyline going there at the minute. But um, well, for the for like the like four people that watch. Yeah, but like look at as an example, Retribution. Right, Retribution spent so much time just bullying Ricochet when they were meant to be tearing apart WWE. So why weren't there like a lot more 
like random talents brought in and showcased on the big shows to help Retribution's storyline. Mm-hmm. Retribution's storyline summed up to we're here to destroy WWE, we're here to work for WWE because we've just signed contracts, we're here to bully Ricochet, and then just we're here. That's 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 Retribution <laughs> completely done. Like yeah. they just, I, I really don't understand why they didn't do more with that. And there's there's plenty more they could have done with it. Yeah, I think you know it's baffling to me. Like SmackDown, we just spoke about it was like a four match show, and mm-hmm. you know three of the matches were shit, and one of the matches went like forty minutes or whatever. So yeah, you know okay fine. Raw, like ninety five percent of it was awful, and it's like yeah. surely <laughs> there's something that you could do where if you combine that roster or you said do you know what on each of the shows we're gonna have you know Roman, we're gonna have Drew, we're gonna have Randy, we're gonna have. Daniel Bryan, except he's you know he's gone, you know. But like all 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 your top guys on every show, straight yeah. away you'd be like, okay, I'm more inclined to watch this. <laughs> yeah. Well, look at this now. Like SmackDown is renownedly doing better than Raw at the minute. Like people are loving SmackDown and they're hating Raw. Why is that? Because they're loving the work with Roman, and there's no reason you couldn't have that same work carrying over to Raw, and maybe including some of the Raw talent. Yeah, like there's there's no reason he couldn't do that. You could use the 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 the, the heat's not the right word because that's the wrong terminology in in this com- in this sort of conversation. But you could use that that sort of popularity that Roman's got at the minute and um, help Raw with it. But no, because we we've got a draft and we've got a well, brand split and all this you, bollocks. Like I mean, it, it even writes itself to a degree, doesn't it? It's like you know your head of the table. What you just on SmackDown? You know, can you prove exactly, that on yeah. Raw? You know, it's like straight away. It's like, well, there you yeah. go, storyline. There's no, yeah, there's no reason. And but no, we'll only do that once a year at Survivor Series. <laughs> well, exactly. And even then, it'll be a one multi-man match, and then we'll, we'll, you know, we'll we'll have shenanigans and shit going on. Yeah. And Roman naturally will be head of Team Fucking SmackDown rather than anything decent, because no. you know, the the pay per view writes itself. <laughs> yeah, I think it's mad. I think the brand split is probably one of the biggest factors of the decline if i'm honest i just think back when it was at you know it's white hot level multiple times it was because you know there was major stars that you would see on all the shows and yeah. now well if you look when it first split like bear in mind it's it's, it's split after the invasion so we we'd had a, like an injection of fucking huge talent from wcw right so when it first split we had like the likes of nwo Firstly, and then Hogan, etc. And we had they were rocking up on Raw, and like, like SmackDown consistently had Undertaker, Brock Lesnar, Kurt Angle, John Cena was a SmackDown staple at one point. He bleeds blue and white. The SmackDown yep. team, he sky fucking feels like his name. Ah, <laughs> yeah, whatever the line is. Anyway, um, and like you say, there were big stars on both shows. Like I've just listed like a handful on SmackDown. Could you do that now? No, because I mean, to be fair, there's. There's not as many stars now. So obviously back then, they had the injection of new talent from other companies, but they'd also done a pretty good job of building new stars. You know, John Cena, mm-hmm. Brock Lesnar. Who have they built, you know, other than Drew McIntyre? Maybe Bobby, which I don't think he's even there yet. But who have they built over the last five years? Who has come to prominence in that company in the last five years as a major star, main event star? Um, hang on, bear with me. <laughs> like if you look Goldberg. back all Goldberg. the rest of, <laughs> there you go yeah that young up and coming you know you look back at it's all hard the to, like, Wrestlemanias it, over, over the years and it's like well 
it's Roman Reigns, it's Brock Lesnar, it's Undertaker, it's Triple H, it's Roman Reigns, it's Drew McIntyre, it's Do you know what's Roman crazy? Reigns, it's... And I could be wrong on this, I'm not a booker, obviously, but, like, it doesn't, like, it's not hard to build a big star. Mm. Or, or they never made it look hard. Like, do you remember when Batista was on SmackDown with Devon? That's how he started. Could you have said then he's gonna be he's gonna be like in a program with the likes of Ric Flair and Triple H? He's gonna end up being a world champion. Probably not, but no. you could probably <laughs> see the talent, the potential in him. All he was doing was like walking around with a money box and forcibly collecting money for people. <laughs> like it's like that. They saw the potential there. They ran with it and they built him up. Like I just don't get how do you not like they, the one thing they should know is how to build stars. Mm. It's mad that they've had such a reliance and dependency on legends for so so long that like this this whole WrestleMania this year was the first time, as we said, leading up to it, where there was no real star power, and that's not to you and know we had to have Hogan keep popping out every once in a while, like, but <laughs> which <laughs> got the biggest fucking booze of the show. But it's funny, isn't it? Because I think that was them. That was their star power in their head. Yeah, but he's not well liked at the minute, so no, that did it's not like, work. It's mad, really, and it, you know, I'm not saying this to disrespect the current, like you know, current talent, but who was, who was, who was the drawing power? Who made you tune into WrestleMania? No one. Like every year, you've got well, you know, there's there's some kind of marquee match, and whether that be Taker versus Michaels, Taker versus Triple H, whether you know it's fucking Brock Lesnar is showing up, whether it's you know something that you're invested in you know daniel bryan's story like there was nothing it was a list of guys who worked there and you know the quality was fine but no casual is going to tune in to watch that because why would you exactly yeah you don't know half the names there's no star power there really there's no no one's been built up to make you want to see this there's no nothing's trending going fucking hell this is going to happen like even like you know they're like blood and guts for example it's it's a throwaway Wednesday show, not a pay per view, nothing. But yeah. the amount of traction and expectation that's like been built up and hyped for this match, and you look at WrestleMania, what was really hyped? What was built up? Mm. What what was the must see feud or the culmination of some rivalry at that show? Um, the Fiend versus Randy Orton, <laughs> and look what we got. Um, so yeah, point proven exactly. It was yeah for whatever reason they can't build stars. They can't. You know, it's like feuds that like people are weird. In. Do you think this is just, just they're utterly convinced that there aren't any long term fans now or something? Because they, they focus that much on casual fans that it's like they don't expect to retain people. Like, well, we're not going to keep them engaged, so well, that's not I mean, to be to fair, that. like, you know, if you look at the way that people are going with so much technolo- uh, technology, everyone with a phone, you know, kids like two years up have got their own mobile phone, for God's sake, you know attention spans aren't what they were so mm. it is quite plausible and feasible for you know WWE to go well people aren't watching this show every week the full three hours because you know we're shit so therefore we're gonna just do random stuff but with like you know top moments of like throwing tomatoes at people and whatever yeah and that and that might that might be the video <laughs> Maybe, I'll uh, take your point, so when you're looking at it on TikTok, you've got that minute-long video. Exactly. Thing. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So it's like, okay, people will, you know, pay attention to us for 30 seconds. What can we do in the 30-second segments that will make people go, oh, that's pretty cool. And it's I like... got Randy there, like, well, we could set a guy on fire. <laughs> well, exactly. But, I mean, to <laughs> be fair... Randy. 
you know, that happened and that went onto TikTok and, it, it, you know, it was probably one of their most popular uploads. Mm. So it's mad. And I get that, you know, the world is changing and all that kind of stuff, but I don't know, like surely maybe it's we're alarm, just old. Maybe we're just old, Anthony. Maybe that is it. I don't that know, that is the realisation. Like, let's, let's be honest, like, if you look at, like, Look at what's popular on like the likes of Netflix and all that. Let's let's pull away from the internet a little bit because this is a TV show, right? You look at what's popular on Netflix and that. It's not like people don't have attention spans. People are loving like world building things like Game of Thrones and stuff like. I know I'm picking something that's like finished now, but um, like things that have been massively popular in recent years are things that have like really big storytelling devices. Do you know what I mean? So I think they need to look at themselves less like a let's what can trend on social media and more what can be a popular TV show. Do they want to be a TV show or do they want to be a um, a trending clip on YouTube? But you know what? And this is quite a sobering thought. If you look at the demo, and I know people take the piss out of the, you know, called Demo Guard and Demo Wars. If yeah. you look at the demo for Game of Thrones, it over-indexes in older people. Mm. Whereas WWE is a PG product and is trying to capture new audiences. So that could be the reason why. And it could just be that we are very, well, char- see, you know, character-driven. We care. We are invested, and you know, this new generation of people just want to see something. But you and go, think, eh. What are WWE aiming for, though? Because like the demo that they're aiming for, surely they would have no idea who Goldberg is. So what? What is the aim when they bring in legends in? Well, really don't get that. I thought that as well, but then if you look at our TikTok and stuff like that, you, you mm. know, a younger demographic social media, and you see that people know who he is and in some cases he's their favorite wrestler what and it's like for fuck's sake these these, kids need educating man these these are younger kids you know like you know early early teens kind of thing and it's like well you know yeah (laughs) yeah exactly but so i have no idea how it's happened you know whether that is from them playing video games and having him as an unlockable character maybe he's like 93 over they've gone onto youtube watched his matches and gone, oh, no, he he's was undefeated. In his 50s. I wouldn't say he's 93. <laughs> um, so, you know, like, honestly, I can't even begin to predict, the, you know, the reasons, the rationale, but for whatever reason, WWE are very firmly casting their net in a younger audience bracket. Yeah. Who, Fucking hell. You know, That's what we're going to have soon, aren't we? We're going to have a three-hour Raw where no match can last longer than a minute because that's how long a TikTok is. And um, all the promos have to be 140 characters or less. Probably, yeah. yeah. Um, basically, because yeah, there's there's so much you know content to digest. There's so much that like what what truly makes you want to tune into a show anymore? Not it's like it, a because you moan about it mostly. Well, yeah, that. But you know, even <laughs> if you watch, even even if you're watching the show, like, are you really watching it, or you're like, yeah, <laughs> this yeah. is bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So. I don't know. And I'll take um, your point. I do take your point. Fucking well today. I don't know. That's it. I'm going to move on to another topic, Carl, because I'm conscious of time and I want to address this before we finish, right? So, I don't know if you've seen it, but um, Triple H has made comments about the Wednesday Night War quite recently. Probably yeah. should have made the news and it didn't, so I'm going to mention it here, in which he said about this imaginary war and there never really was a war and so on. And um <laughs> Chris Jericho come back quite uh, interestingly was like there like basically there was but I referred Triple H back I don't know if he referred like I think he copied him in but he referred him back to a tweet from the first night of Dynamite when they smashed it in the demo 
know, they smashed it in the ratings as a whole. And Triple H's response was, "Oh, like congratulations, blah blah." But remember, it's a sprint, not a marathon. No, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And, yeah. and made it very clear that they were going to battle with each other. But apparently, it was all imaginary. Apparently, WWE never part talking that. What do you think of this? Because there's a lot of people who are like it was never a war. I'm like, was though, wasn't it? Like they were two shows of the exact same like nature on the same night at the same time. They were fucking going up against each other, whether you want to believe that or not. I honestly don't get the whole thing about this. Um, a like AW debuted on a Wednesday night, right? Yep. NXT moved to Wednesday nights in the same time slot to compete yep. with AW, right? Because they wanted people, to... People keep... No matter what you say to people, though, they jump... Like, you got, uh, they moved to Wednesday... They had to because of the network. They didn't have a say in that. They didn't... Uh, I'm like, no. Bullshit. They, that was a deliberate effort. Bullshit. Just like, just like when Cody wanted to get back the, um, the Great American Bash and NXT made a point of using it. Like, and they did it around the same time that I think... Um, AEW's equivalent was like Bash at the Beach or whatever they called it and yeah. um, NXT coincidentally just happened to do their Great American Bash at the same time and I'm like no you, you're doing that deliberately this is responding to AEW this is, and don't be wrong AEW have been just as petty and they've made shots at WWE but WWE can't act like it was an imaginary war and we were never competing with them that's no. like literally running a race and then when you get near the finish line and realising you're fucked it you just start walking and going I was never running anyway it's like <laughs> <laughs> not even in this fucking race that is mad. that is so accurate um yeah it's it's mad like for for triple h to come out and be like um oh yeah you know it was it was never really a war you know whatever bullshit because they moved to wednesdays to halt the progress of aw and they found pretty soon that they were getting spanked and they tried everything they could they put on all the big fucking you know if it wasn't in like a ratings war, why would you put on all these gimmick fucking things on a Wednesday night on you know on your show? It was literally they had every pay per view they possibly could. You know, pretty much every NXT was themed at one point in time. Do you remember this? Um, mm. But yeah, not well, a war. I also remember like let's let's drop um, Charlotte onto NXT. Let's bring Sasha Banks and Bailey onto NXT. Let's keep putting big names in NXT just to get attention on it, like that. Uh, you have frozen, and we're recording. That's crazy. Am I still frozen to you? You back now? Am I back now? You back now? Yay! That was a random off the cuff moment. Hi guys. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to find the quote from Triple H because it was it was annoying. But um, he was interviewed. If that helps with the New York Post. Um, and, yeah. So Trip Jericho come back saying it's typical WWE. It's a typical rhetoric because he believes that they congratulated us the first week and said, if you remember, it's a marathon, not a sprint. He said, we won the marathon, right? So now it's an imaginary war. Um, well, they, they said, why are they saying it's a marathon, not a sprint? A year and a half ago when our first rating came out, which is a totally fucking valid point. And for the most, and we've got some stats here, right? 63 of the 75 weeks, yeah, Dynamite mm-hmm. won on the ratings, right? Um, and NXT only picked up one victory in the 18 to 49 demographic in that entire time. Wow! Like AEW spanked them, and nobody. When you when you're a WWE fanboy and you don't want to give AEW any credit at all, you you come at it with this like it was never really a war, and they barely won. I hate the barely won one. It's like right, so the the like a wins like would you do that with anything else? No. Like, 
I was watching football the other day and like yeah, like they won, but like they only scored one more goal than us, so they barely won. Barely not won. Really yeah. a, not really a victory, is it? Like <laughs> it doesn't fucking work like that, they beat you. Let it go. Yeah. Why can't like it, it doesn't affect WWE financially, so why not let them have the victory? I don't understand I, why you can't admit AEW beat them in the ratings. I also hate when people are like, Well, it's not really a you know, a war because like, you know, when Raw and Nitro were like war and it was like millions and millions of people and now it's like hundreds of thousands so it's not really a war is it it doesn't mean anything and it's like that what like that that's just the amount of people who are watching the shows like yeah you can't deny that aw spanked the fuck out of nxt on wednesday nights and yeah. and i know, also NXT- the other one i hate the other one i hate is when they go yeah but they were going up against like um wwe's third tier brand i'm like what you mean this show that's been around for a year it's going up against their third tier brand that's well established. Like I think that's a fair comparison. Like people want to go, well, yeah, put them up against Raw or SmackDown, and they wouldn't do as well. No, they probably wouldn't. I, I'll happily admit that, and I like AEW. They probably wouldn't. I but, mean, they wouldn't. Like, I mean, there's also the factor of them being on Fox and fucking, you know, USA. Are they on? I don't know. Yeah. Um, but more coverage, you know, than TNT potentially. But well, yeah. Um, but, even so, why would you? Why would a, a promotion that's only existed for just over a year want to compete with the the biggest show WWE has? They're not stupid. You wouldn't go straight head to head with Raw, even as shit as Raw is at the minute, because Raw will get views despite itself. It, it can be a shit week and it'll still get views. Do you know what? People I, are just used to watching Raw. Based on the numbers that AW pulled, you know, um, after the whole change nights for NXT, I would like to see. <laughs> Just to see how they get on uh, against Raw, because Raw's numbers have fallen so much that it's barely mm. over a million. So imagine them getting on the same night and actually, you know, doing that. Be well, mad. Sadly, it looks like if they're going to move nights, and the, the rumors heavily suggested that they might, is that it be to Friday, which is a shame because SmackDown is the better show, and I think SmackDown so, would consistently beat it. But is that is that because of the the whole hockey? Thing. Yeah, there's no, no, nothing's been confirmed, and I think even AEW have out and out said like we've got a deal for Wednesday and nothing's changing. But um, people are heavily speculating because TNT want this NHL deal that um, AEW are going to have to move. Yeah, I think um, yeah. I think they get, I think they've got the deal, but they're going to put them on TBS maybe, um, whatever the other Turner network is. So they've mm. got the deal, but they're going to put them on there. So. Whether or not that will cause AW any kind of ratings decline, anyway, to be seen. But I you don't wonder think though, don't you? Because you go NHL like, audience, massive necessarily... hockey wrestling fans, like yeah. can't be too many of them, can they? Yeah, I mean, there was a point in time that that was us. You know, we used to be. I know, but the, you know uh... what I mean? Like you, you imagine there are a good handful, but like not every wrestling fan's gonna love hockey and vice versa. So you're talking a handful of people, aren't you? I imagine. Mm. Yeah. Exactly. So. I don't know. I think AW is safe for now on Wednesdays, and you know I'd like to see how they keep it up because they had a fantastic. Sorry, I was going to say I really think that like right now is fantastic. It should stay this way. We've got if you know if you're if you're a TNA fan, that's Thursdays, I believe. So you've got like a a decent wrestling show every night of the week. That's how it should be. Why should they compete with each other? I like them all anyway. Yeah, it is mad. I mean, still we don't watch Impact, but. Um, <laughs> so we have no excuse but yeah I mean it makes perfect sense doesn't it I think they all stand a better chance of success not against you know the competition like running unopposed so yeah it makes sense and I think you know for AW's sake at least 
hopefully this is the time they can recoup them lost lost viewers, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, well, I find fascinating. Like the first night AEW were away from um, NXT, they broke a million and it was a big deal. And then people jumped on it when the following week they had, I think it was eight hundred and odd thousand, right? So I uh, see he didn't break a million again, and people love to hate AEW over ratings, right? And don't be wrong. Jericho has kind of caused that because he's made a big point of pointing out the ratings as often as he could, right? But no one's saying anything about NXT, who are also by themselves on the Tuesday night and still not pulling, like, they're not breaking a million. No. I think... um, Isn't it the same thing? I think for AEW's second night, it was um, up against some, like, major news. I'm not sure if it was, like, an election thing or, like, presidential thing or whatever, Um, but that seemed to be the reason why, so... I'm keen that to was, see um, what Blood and Guts does. That was another comment Triple H made, by the way. Um, I couldn't find his exact quote, but it's just come back to me when you said that, like, because he was saying about like they're not competing with solely Dynamite; they're competing with TV in general. Like anything on any other channel is competition, kind of thing. That was his excuse for it not being a war. Like, bullshit. Yeah, bullshit. What's a bullshit? bullshit? Just admit you. Admit you were competing a little bit, even if like you took a slight loss. Because let's face it, they were always very close in the ratings anyway. The pair of them, so. Mm. Even the loss wasn't that big a loss. No. And I think, you know, it can only benefit the, both brands. You know, it seems to be AEW is getting more benefits, but it should do, really. And hopefully, you know, outside of any kind of random hockey thing or random presidential you know, debate or whatever the fuck is happening on other networks, you know, hopefully they will draw a million plus for the foreseeable and then, yeah, grow that audience. But, you know, they've got a big, a, a real like a super big task on the hands haven't they because they brought in a lot of talent it's kind of like what you were saying before about uh, Peacock it's like they've they brought in a lot more talent but they're not seeing as many new viewers and it's like mm-hmm. similar to them bringing in WWE in the office and not getting you know only getting 9 million viewers or whatever so it's a similar thing I think they need to just steady the ship make sure they are delivering consistent good wrestling show and mm. you know They've got an opportunity there, so you know, unopposed on a Wednesday, that could be their their night. So as long as yeah. the you know the whole NHL thing doesn't move them, they've got a good yeah. chance. Well, then look, but no, I think um, yeah, I, as much as uh, I, I do, definitely prefer the way it's set up now. You just can't deny they did they did beat them. They beat them. <laughs> they beat them dead. <laughs> so is that it? Are we done with think, whiskey and I wrestling? Think, I think that's whiskey and wrestling for this this. Month, decade, quarter. I don't know. I don't know how often we <laughs> Who do. Who knows how often we do those? Um, but but yeah. I'm all ranted out. Rant, rant, it's expired. But yeah, over an hour and a half of us chatting absolute shit, unscripted, about random things while incredibly intoxicated, just as you've come to love and expect from this show. So, with all that being said, the final segment of a show that is two days late, but still, yeah. you stick with us. You love us and we love you back. And, you know, we'll say, like we do all the time, follow us, like us, you know, please, friends, friends. Um, But, yeah, we're on all the socials, obviously, wherever you're listening or watching this. Awesome, but we're available on other places too, so check us out there. And that's all I've got to say, really, Anthony. Anything to sign off with this week? Bye. Perfect. (laughs) Until next week, guys. See you all next week. 
or listening to A to the K. 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 These guys are awesome. Check it out. Check it out. Change your life. You'll be thanking me later.